Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Good evening. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6 will begin in verse 10 tonight. Um, we are at war. And I'm not talking about Iraq or Afghanistan. We are at war in this room. Every time a preacher uh, or any of you share the gospel, or uh, if I'm proclaiming the gospel from this pulpit or or any pulpit, uh, proclaiming God's word, proclaiming the gospel, we are at war. There is an enemy out there, the, the devil sin, Satan, and, and he prowls around like a roaring lion. I believe it's uh, Peter. I, can't remember. I think it's 2 Peter that says that. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We live in a world where there are unseen things. Uh, the naturalist, the, 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 the person who, who believes that all that there is is the physical world, doesn't recognize these things. But those of us who, who have been born again, those of us who, who believe in this spiritual realm, understand that there are things that we cannot see. Um, now, the Bible was written to show us how to be saved. The Bible was written to tell God's story through all of the of the millennia, okay? Um, the, the main purpose of Scripture is not to tell us about angels and demons. So there's not a whole lot written. There's, we, we, uh, we pick up a little bit here and a little bit there, but that's not really the main point of what we're getting at. But here tonight we're looking at a, a text that's talking about this spiritual war that we are in. And so we, we need to have, at first, we need to have a mindset that recognizes we're at war. Because so often, what do we do in peacetime? We take it easy, right? We take it easy. We, we live a life of luxury. You know, we sit with our feet propped up and we kick back and we live a luxurious life. But we need to remember we're at war. At wartime, we do things differently than we do at peace. We all chip in, right? Uh, we, we, take some, we make some sacrifices. We do things we wouldn't necessarily do in peacetime. We need to remember we're at war. So let's take a look at our text. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand firm. Ha having done all, 
to stand firm. There, stand, therefore. He uses the same word several times, so it's hard to get over that. <laughs> having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith in which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you may know how I am and, and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent to him, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, that he may encourage your hearts. Peace. To be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love the Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray that you would speak to us tonight. Lord, open our eyes and we may see wonderful things from your law. Open our ears that we may hear your voice speaking to us, your sheep. And Lord, open our minds and our hearts that we might understand and love what it is that you're speaking to us. Father, give me strength that I might be bold in the face of enemies that we cannot see. Help me to speak your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We come to the end of the letter. <clears throat> That's why Paul says, finally. We're, 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 we're coming to the end, and, and remember, let's just look at how this is situated within the letter. The first half of Ephesians uh, was telling us, as I've said all along, it's been telling us, what God has done in Jesus Christ for us to be saved. Uh, he, has, he has adopted us into his family. He has, he has uh, caused us to go from death into life. He has done all these things for us. And then, chapter 4, he turns the corner and he says, because of all this that we've done, then, uh, that I've done, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. And so this text is the last of these things that he's telling us that we need to do in order to walk worthy of that calling. Um, because God has brought us from death into life, because he has an inheritance waiting for us in heaven, because of the fact that we have been called his children, because of all those things, we need to stand firm. We need to be strong in the Lord. We need to put on the whole armor of God. He tells us, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
He tells us to have this strength and, and this, this, this strength of his might. And this might remind us back into chapter one. Chapter one tells us of the power of God. The power of God, that same power that is at work in us, chapter one told us. The same power that is at work in us is the power that rose Jesus from the dead. And, and that same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that took us and put us from death into life. We have been, been raised to new life because of that power of God. He tells us to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. What is this power that he's telling us to be strong in? It's that same power that he used to raise up Christ from the dead and to make us go from death into life. That is the power he speaks of here. And then he uses an illustration uh, or, a, or a picture that he's used already that changes it a little bit. He tells us to put on the whole armor of God. Now before, he had told us to put off the old man. That was in chapter four. To put off the old man, the one we used to be before we came to know Jesus and to put on the new man, put on the new self. Well, here he's using the same kind of language, putting on, but he's telling us it's not so much putting on the new man, but here he's telling us put on the armor of God. God has given us an armor. He has given us certain things that are means whereby we kind of grasp hold of, of the ability to, to fight in this war we're in. A couple of weeks ago, we, we had one of our catechism questions. We, we talked about the different means that God uses to, I can't remember the exact language, and it's kind of old, old language, but if you were here, maybe you remember that. And all these different means that we use in appropriating sanctification and all that were, were the very same things that we're seeing here in putting on the armor of God. He says, put on the whole armor of God. Um, don't just leave out some of it. Put on reading your Bible, but don't put on prayer. Uh, put on preparation of the gospel of peace, but don't put on righteousness. No, he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the devil's schemes. Why is it that we're to put on the old, whole armor of God? Because there's a roaring lion out there waiting to gobble us up. First of all, we just need to be aware that the devil himself, the accuser of the brethren, is out there scheming to get us to fall, to get us to lose our faith. The, the devil wants nothing less than to try and kill us. And he will use any means that he uh, is able to use. Now, I said, we don't, we don't have a, a lot in Scripture about, about the devil and angels and all those things. But I, I think one thing we can be sure of is the devil is not omniscient. He does not know everything like God is. God is omniscient. He knows everything. And the devil is not omnipresent. But God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. The devil doesn't have that advantage. He is a defeated foe. Jesus beat the devil on the cross. 
He defeated him. He defeated sin. He defeated the devil. He defeated death and everything at the cross. So he is a defeated foe. But yet, he is our enemy, even now. And he wants to cause us to fall into sin. And he, if he could, if he could cause us to completely lose our salvation, he would do it. Now, I don't believe we can lose our salvation. I believe that once a person has gone from death into life, he is held firmly and securely by Jesus unto the end. But that doesn't stop the devil from trying. And the truth is, there are many who like the parable that Jesus told, who hear the word, and they receive it with joy initially. And then whenever persecution comes or the cares of this world comes, they, they, turn, they, they dry up. They fall away. I would say those people were never saved in the first place. And the devil would like nothing better than to have that to happen to us. You know, he's not omniscient. The devil is an omniscient. Maybe he does not know who is elect. He does not know who are those ones who are going to fall away. And so he tries and he tries and he tries to get at us. And so we need to put on the whole armor of God that we'll be able to stand. You know, um, sanctification, justification, our salvation is something that God does apart from our works. It's not in me but it's in him. Um, justification. He declares us righteous, not on the basis of what we've done, but upon the basis of what Jesus has done. But sanctification is something that God calls us to do actively. Now, he works in us, but he says, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. And so here, he's doing the same thing. We are to actively put on the armor of God. We are to actively be able to stand against those, the devil's schemes. He tells us, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. When it says rulers there, I don't think that he's talking about um, Congress, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> he's not talking about those rulers, okay? <laughs> he's, he's not talking about those rulers. Uh, it, it goes on from there. I think each of these things is spelling out more of, of what he's talking about. He says um, the rulers against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Uh, if we remember back, and I, I didn't pinpoint the reference, but earlier in the in the um, um, in the very letter, he talks about how Jesus was seated high above any other authority. And I believe then, I was saying, he's higher than any angel, higher than any angelic being. And in the same sense, I think this term authority is talking about in the heavenly realms, in the, in the spiritual realm, um, 
Maybe not angels, but those evil powers. It says the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And when it says heavenly places there, it's not like they're up in heaven. But when it uses that term heavenly places, I think that's how he's referring to the spiritual realm. That, those unseen places that we cannot see. We don't wrestle against our, our, our fight. Our war is not in politics. Now, sometimes it seems like it, but our war is much more on our knees than it is at the battle box. And our war is, is not, um, it's not physical, but it's a spiritual battle. It, it, it is for our hearts, it is for our very lives, and we are to fight again on our knees. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, because of this weapon that, or this enemy that is against us, because he, he is so powerful, but not all powerful, then we are to put on the whole armor of God. He reminds us again that you may be able to stand in the evil day. When it talks about the evil day there, I don't think it's talking about uh, one specific day, but we live in an evil day. Today, our time, you know, uh, the, the, we still live in an era that is affected by the curse, where, where there is sin and evil everywhere we look. And we live in that evil day. If we're going to be able to stand in that evil day, we've got to put on the whole armor of God. And having done all to stand firm, stand for, therefore. And he goes into a description of what that armor is. He's been telling, he's told us twice now, put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you can stand in that evil day. Now, you may be wondering at this point, what's the armor? <laughs> what's the armor? So Paul tells us. Paul tells us, have, uh, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. Having fastened on the belt of truth. So a belt, you know, uh, I'm wearing one. I'll try to be modest here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the, in, in the armor of, of the Roman Empire, uh, the belt would be used to, to hold up the, the garment so that they could be able to run faster so you don't get tripped up with your legs. As you, and so you're, you're ready to go and ready to fight. Um, it would also maybe be something where you can stick your sword in there so that you, don't, you, can, you have your hands free to be able to run or whatever you need to do. Um, so that would be why it's a part of the, of the armor but he tells us that the belt is truth. Earlier, Paul had told us in Ephesians, what, what are we supposed, how are we supposed to speak to one another within the church? We speak the truth in love. As believers, we, we don't want to hide who we are. We don't want to hide 
But we want to let the light of Christ shine upon us, open up, and so, so that we can, we can have people who really know us. We, we can confess our sins to one another. You know, we're still sinners in this world. Um, we, we still struggle with many different types of sin. And one of the ways that we, we, we put on this belt of truth is by being honest with one another. But also, there is the truth of Scripture. This is truth. We, we believe what this book says. We can be confident when we have the Bible. We believe what is true. And also, another way we think about truth, Jesus said, remember John 14, 6? I am the way, the truth, and the life. We have to have Jesus. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. So, I'm going to back up just a second. Paul here is using um, what might be called um, an allegory. He, he's saying this corresponds with this. Um, the belt corresponds with truth. He's saying the breastplate corresponds with righteousness. He's saying the helmet corresponds with salvation and all those things. The problem with an allegory uh, and the why we don't usually interpret things allegorically is because sometimes uh, you can do what scholars call you make an allegory walk on all fours. <laughs> you start finding all kinds of different things that something could point to. Um, here, whenever Paul says it's the belt of truth, I just pointed to three different things that it could be. And I'm not certain which one it, which one it is. But we can consider each of them, and I think each one of those things does uh, fit within the way um, the truth of Scripture. Each one of those things can be consistent with Scripture. We do need to speak the truth with one another. We do um, have the Bible as our source of truth, and we also um, look to Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Secondly, Paul tells us, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate uh, would cover the, the, the chest area all the way down uh, to the waist. It would protect uh, uh, the heart, basically, against injuries that would, would uh, um, affect the heart or the internal organs. Um, and he tells us here we're to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Um, now, on the one hand, uh, again, here he doesn't tell us specifically how we do that. He doesn't spell that out a whole lot. Here are two options. I think both of them are important. One, the breastplate of righteousness means we, we do as believers, not, on the, not, not in order to gain acceptance before God, but because of what God has done in our lives, we, we try to live a righteous life. We, we aim at pleasing God with what we do. 
But underneath of that, under, and foundationally before that, and what we, why we need the first three chapters of this book is, the fact is, it's not in me. Just like the song we sang. Our righteousness is not our own. We have a righteousness that is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That is what is protecting us. That is what is protecting us. It protects uh, our spiritual heart and it protects our spiritual internal organs. When we have trusted in Jesus Christ, if you look to him, he forgives us of all of our sins, cleanses us of all of our unrighteousness, and he gives us his own righteousness. We were sinners, dead in our trespasses and sins. Christ lived a perfect life from, from a being a baby all the way to being an adult. Never sinned one time. He was perfectly righteous. He was the spotless Lamb of God. And when he went to the cross, the great exchange happened. Our sin was placed on Jesus, and his righteousness is given to us. What an amazing truth. So the, the breastplate here, while I, I think there is an element where we do strive for righteousness in our lives, the, the undergirding thing is he has given us his righteousness. That's, that's why, why we can stand against the devil. It's not on our own righteousness that we can stand against the devil. It's his righteousness. Third, he tells us, as, um, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness of the uh, readiness given by the gospel of peace. So the shoes of the gospel of peace. Um, I think here, and even the commentary that I read uh, pointed back to Isaiah fifty-two seven, I believe it is, and. and in that passage, it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who spread the good news. I may have that a little bit off. It's more of a paraphrase from memory. Um, our feet need to be ready to be able to share the gospel. We need to know the gospel well so that we can go and we be ready to share it with others. You know, how better to be able to, to fight against the devil's schemes than to have the gospel clear enough in our mind that we're ready, ready at any moment. When we have a conversation with someone, we can, we can explain the gospel. What is this all about? And being ready. You know, if we're not ready to share the gospel, then we can be timid. And we can be uh, afraid when we get put in that situation where, where we can carry out spiritual warfare. You know, we're, we may be having a conversation with some lost soul whose eternity is in the balance. When we share the gospel and we're ready for them, ready to share the gospel, we are prepared and, and ready. All right, next. We've talked about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of, uh, um, of the gospel of peace. 
And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. You notice the other ones we've looked at so far do not give the reason for them. It tells the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace, but it doesn't give a reason. Notice here, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So we've got that shield that's holding up. Uh, in the Roman world, it, was, uh, it would cover the whole front of a person. And maybe you've seen this in a movie or something, but uh, even in the commentary that I read, it said that uh, uh, sometimes the Romans would, would line up and so that every single one of them would put their shields next to each other, uh, making a kind of an impregnable wall there between, uh, between the soldiers. And even as an individual, um, there's, uh, there's one Greek or Roman um, historian who said, um, who's told of one soldier who whenever he got out of battle, he, he looked at his shield and there were 220 different arrows that were stuck in his shield. In his shield. The enemy is constantly sending his flaming arrows at us. It may be a temptation, a continual temptation. Whatever it is that you struggle with, and you know it, and I know what mine is, it's the enemy's flaming dart coming at us. It can be temptation, it can be discouragement. The enemy um, causing us to be discouraged about some circumstance in our life. Uh, the, the, the flaming darts can be perception. You see something, you're not quite sure about it, and the enemy just implants this thought. and makes you see something skewed. It may make you judgmental towards a person. It may make you suspicious about something. And I, was like, I don't want to go too far down this line because, I, as I said before, the enemy is not all-powerful. He's not all-seeing. He's not all-knowing, any of those things. But maybe you've experienced that in that spiritual war where these thoughts just kind of get implanted in your mind. You don't know where they came from, but you know they're not from God. How do we fight those things? Paul tells us here, we are to put on, or have the shield of faith. Faith in Jesus. And the Bible talks about faith it's talking about faith in him, trusting in him. He will be the one who protects us. When we look to him, he will extinguish those flaming darts as they come. And he tells us the last of the defensive items Take on the helmet of salvation. It's funny that this is last. Again, this was one that was referenced in the passage that Caleb read from Isaiah 59. 
It's funny that this is mentioned last because the first half of this book was about salvation, what God has done already for us. We need to remember what he has done for us. If we're going to be able to stand against the enemy, we need to know what he's done for us. We need to remember, we need to call it to mind that he has caused us to go from death into life. We need to call it to mind and be reminded and remind each other that he has adopted us into his family, that he has, uh, has predestined us before the foundation of the world that one day we will be holy and righteous in his sight. We need to remember what it is that God has done for us. This is not a work that we do. This is something we freely receive. And the sword of the Spirit, something different about this one. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, it's our only defensive weapon that he names. All right, offensive, offensive weapon that he names. Everything else is for our protection. The breastplate, breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. All of those things, they're for our protection, the shield of faith. But the helmet, I'm sorry, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that is our offensive weapon that he's talking about here. We need to know our, our Bibles. Um, we need to memorize it. We need to meditate on it. Um, again, we don't do those things in order for God to accept us. We don't do those things to gain any kind of merit on our own. But if we've had lives that are changed, that is our spiritual nourishment. We go to that eating and craving that spiritual milk of the word, as 1 Peter tells us we ought to do. And it is the sword of the spirit. It is the way, it, it, it is the way that Jesus handled his temptations, you know? When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, after his baptism, he went out into the wilderness to be tempted. And when the devil came to him with temptations to, to um, you know, jump off of the pinnacle of the temple or to, to uh, turn stones into bread, what did Jesus respond with? He always responded with Scripture. He always responded with, with Scripture, things like, um, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. Just the same way that Jesus battled temptation with Scripture, so here, our weapon in this war is the Word of God. We should know it. We should meditate on it. We should use it and remind ourselves of the truth of God's Word when we face the battle. Verse 18 He's described all of the armor, but then he throws in another one that doesn't really have a, a piece of armor attached to it. But he's continuing on in the same theme. He says, praying at all times in the spirit with prayer and supplication. It's the way that it's connected grammatically, it's still connected to what's coming before it. I mean, when it says praying at all times, 
Um, notice, it doesn't say pray at all times, like it's a new command. It says praying at all times. Uh, in the Greek, you can tell even more clearly, it's connected to what comes before it. This is part of how we put on the armor of God, by praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. Um, if I were to assign a... Um, a piece of armor for the military to prayer. Uh, John Piper, um, he's, he has a quote. He says, prayer is a wartime walkie-talkie for spiritual warfare, not a domestic intercom to increase the comforts of the saints. We're at war. And so we need to be praying at all times in the spirit because we need to have those instructions from the Lord. <laughs> We need to be telling the Lord, hey, we need reinforcements over here. The enemy is strong over here. We need, we need you to come in and intervene. Prayer is our wartime walkie-talkie. To that end, he, he begins telling them specifically about how they are to pray. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, Praying for one another, praying for other believers, and also for me, that words may be given to me opening my, in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. What's Paul pray for for himself? He says he's an ambassador in chains. Paul is in prison there. He's got a Roman guard by his side. Maybe, maybe that's how he got the idea of, of all the armor, because he's got a guard right next to him. Maybe the armor, maybe the, the Roman guard had the, that same kind of outfit. Paul is sitting there in a prison cell, and he doesn't pray, he doesn't ask the believers to pray that he would be released. He doesn't ask the believers to, to pray that his suffering would be minimized. He asked the believers that he'd have boldness, that his mouth would be open to be able to proclaim the gospel while he's there in prison. Um, we need to pray that for one another as well. Pray that ourselves as well as each other will, will have boldness to be able to share the gospel with those we meet. And we need the sandal or, the, or the, the army boots of the preparation of the gospel of peace to do that. And we pray that God would give us boldness to be able to do that. Spiritual warfare is real. We look at verse 21. So that you may know how I am and what to do, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. One of the things that Paul does as he closes this letter, and it's not so much related to spiritual warfare, but maybe there is a connection. Paul sends someone physically to that congregation at Ephesus so that he might be an encouragement to their hearts. One thing that we need for Spiritual warfare is each other. 
And Paul sent someone to physically be his representative, to be there with that congregation. I may be stretching here. <laughs> what are you going to do with these last few verses? <laughs> but he did. He sent somebody to physically be there just as God sent us out into the world to be his physical representatives. We need each other to encourage one another. If we just put on all this armor, but we're alone in the battle, we're still sitting ducks. We need that community with the saints. And then finally, he says, peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love the Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. This is Ephesians. He, he began telling us of the glories that God has done in sending his son Jesus to die for us. He, he has adopted us into his family. He, has, he, he predestined us before the foundation of the world. He brought us from death into life. And on that basis, we walk worthy. We put off the old man and we put on the new man. We live in unity with one another. We, um, we live in, in a, uh, harmonious family relationships and we are at war with the enemy. This is Ephesians. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.